Hi, welcome to Which Witch is Witch, a pop culture podcast about ladies who use magic. I'm Regina. And I'm Derek. And welcome back. It's summer now. It's officially summer. Solstice happened. Summertime. Summer witches. Witches in the summertime. We've got a pair of extremely exciting witches today, one of whom is extremely serious, deeply rooted in lore and mythology. Folklore. Well documented and researched. Heavy duty, serious witch stuff. Serious. The other one is a bright cartoon character with no backstory whatsoever. Let's dive right into it. (laughs) Regina, tell me who is your witch today? My witch today is Thomason from the horror film The Witch. So The Witch is a horror film set in 17th century puritanical New England that follows a family who has left the larger town's plantation because of a disagreement about the interpretation of the New Testament. They've moved to the edge of the forest to start a pious family farm. The family consists of the father, William, mother, Catherine, main character and eldest child, Thomason, son, Caleb, fraternal twins, Mercy and Jonas. Catherine has also just had another baby, Samuel, when the story begins. Thomason is playing a game of peekaboo with Samuel when he disappears. Samuel has been kidnapped by a witch in the woods and ground into flying ointment. The story trails Thomason and the fear that the family faces because of the disappearance of Samuel, which Thomason is blamed for, Thomason's burgeoning sexuality, and the hardship of life away from the town. And I can't forget to mention my favorite character and actual boyfriend, Black Philip, a goat on the farm that the twins claim speaks to them. This movie is haunting, incredibly, or should I say, deliciously, historically accurate, maybe my favorite horror movie? It's a witch historian's wet dream. So I actually had a hard time finding this movie online because in my mind, it's spelled the V-V-I-T-C-H because that's the way it looked on all the posters and all the art. Mm-hmm. But everywhere I look, it's it's spelled witch, W-I-T-C-H. And that doesn't compute in my head. It's actually... Because I'm a type nerd. It, you know what it is? I am also a type nerd. And the thing that's funny about the witch and this film and that spelling is that this is a super well-researched film. Everything from the way in which props are made, the costuming, the lighting, the lore that surrounds the witches, all of it is incredibly well researched. However, the logo design for the movie uses that double V, which is an earlier typographic holdover to before the the capitals on the typeset. Um, were established. So if you were going to do a historically accurate logo design, the double V wouldn't be relevant anymore. That's that's the one part of it that is not historically accurate from a type nerd perspective. Yes. Though I will defend, I, I think this movie came out in 2016 or maybe it late did. 2015. 2016. I, I do think that in the year 2016, it would have been harder to market a movie simply called The Witch than The Vitch. <laughs> and so that's why I think it stayed in people's minds in terms of a marketing perspective. I really liked a lot of the poster and design, like the visual design, the logo design, even though it's historically inaccurate. I feel like despite being a type nerd and liking the historical accuracy throughout the rest of the film, I'll give it a pass for the double V because it just looks cool and it makes you think, oh, this is something that is historical in some way and spelled funny. We'll just lump this in with our common thread on this podcast of it being okay 
to like problematic things as long as you understand what's wrong with them. Exactly. Love it. And love logo design. Yay! Let's jump into the five rules of witchiness. The first rule is that the character in question identify as female. Can you tell me, does Thomason identify as female? Thomason does identify as female, and this is a large part of what makes her a witch, both in the context of the story and in the folklore and beliefs that influence the story. There's an interesting, subtle, and terrifyingly uncomfortable part of the film where Thomason's brother, Caleb, notices that Thomason has <clears throat> developed, Ooh. which helps to underline the fact that Thomason's very femaleness is a threat. There's also a very beautiful and intense relationship that Catherine, her mother, has with her daughter, Thomason, that clearly communicates she feels threatened by Thomason becoming more of a woman. Yeah, that is one of those tropes that, while I understand how it has permeated storytelling for so long, just continues to feel icky. Well, I feel like that is so much a part of the mythos of being a witch, and that's part of why it's one of our five laws of witchiness, right? Is that mm -hmm. inherent fear of women is part of what makes them so scary and potentially dangerous. But like always the mother being threatened by the daughter as she develops into a woman. It's like, I understand why this story beat exists. It just still makes me feel gross every time. Which I suppose is an effective use of the trope. Sure. Because it is supposed to make you feel gross. Yeah, supposed to make you feel gross. And I feel like it's persisted because there is something very, I don't want to say universal, but there's something definitely Freudian that is in the zeitgeist when you talk about witches, when you talk about female relationships, when you talk about women's development, there's that sense of um, inherent competition that usually we talk about when we talk about feminism or lack thereof. So it feels right to me. It's definitely icky, but I think it has its place in the story. All right, so the second rule of witchiness is that the witch in question practice magic. Can you tell me a little bit about the magic Thomason performs if she does? Yes, so this brings us to spoilers at the end of the film. Thomason, after having been through a number of harrowing ordeals, like the death of her possessed brother, accusations of witchcraft from her twin siblings, watching her deranged father get gored by Black Philip, and having to fight for her life by killing her mother with a hook, Thomason goes in desperation to Black Philip, the goat, and he answers her with a seductive voice. What's that like? <laughs> and transforms into a very handsome man. Oh my goodness. She signs his book, wanders naked off into the woods with Black Philip, finds a coven of witches, and levitates into the sky with them, laughing as she does so. Which is the long way round of saying she practices levitation. But it is a very interesting origin story for somebody who can levitate. It is. It's I really true. love granular details <laughs> of how people discover their one and only superpower. <laughs> And it's very possible she has more powers. It's just the one that we see at the end of the film is her levitating with a group of other naked ladies. I've always wanted a really detailed origin story of the Wonder Twins from Super Friends mm. to determine why one of them is obsessed with animals and the other one so focused on forms of water. I can't even begin to answer that. There has to be a fascinating story there, but that's not the story we're talking about today. 
Today I want to know if Thomason practices feminism, because that is the third rule of witchiness. This is such a feminist movie. The circumstances faced by Thomason are all too familiar even today, or maybe especially today. She's a witch because she's a woman. She's a witch because she wants more power over her circumstances than she has. She's a witch because she's sexually developed. She's a witch because she's smart. She's a witch because other people say she is. And then when she embraces her witchdom and signs Black Phillip's book and walks away from her miserable life and towards a community of other women, boom, she's levitating in the sky, presumably to go smash some glass ceilings and also the patriarchy. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And by the <laughs> end, you actually sort of feel uplifted by it all. It's like, to hell with all your conventions. Let me just be a witch. So I was actually going to watch The Witch last night in preparation for this. But then when I opened up my Amazon queue, I saw Four Weddings and a Funeral. <laughs> and so I watched that and I cried instead. Okay. I feel like that was a good use of my time. I support that decision. So the fourth rule of witchiness is that the character in question come from a place of misunderstanding or persecution. Can you tell me how Thomason... I mean, I think you've already landed on some of it, but how is Thomason misunderstood and persecuted in this film? Well, pretty much the whole plot of the movie revolves around Thomason being both persecuted and misunderstood. The part that stands out the most to me is when, after her father has locked her in the barn with Black Phillip and the twins, the kids wake up to find this hag-like witch drinking blood from a white goat. Thomason is terrified, right? So cut to later, her father finally checks on them. He finds Thomason in the wrecked barn, covered in blood, the twins are missing, and the goats are eviscerated. He presumes she's the culprit and goes after her. And then Black Philip saves the day with his horns and murder. Like you do. Like you do. It's a very effective way to save the day. Yeah. Black Philip is awesome. I mean, he's a goat. And your actual boyfriend. And my actual boyfriend. And he's, he's so charismatic, you know, for a goat. Yeah, he's great. Everything about Black Philip is great. Well, I think I know what the answer to this question is, but... The fifth rule of witchiness is that the witch in question be bonded to a sentience. Is Thomason bonded to a sentience larger than herself? Yes, to best sentience and best goat and my boyfriend and probably the literal devil, Black Philip. Yeah, he's a pretty good sentience. He's he's really he's really pretty good. I mean that just that scene when he finally speaks and his voice. Oh, I mean his voice first. And of all. the murder. How about the murder? How about the murder? Okay, but it's murder because he was saving her from her deranged father, who was probably gonna kill her. And what's sexier than that? Nothing. <laughs> Maybe his maybe his boots. Got sexy he has boots. boots with like spurs. Oh yeah. Ugh. There's a shot after he's transformed into probably li the literal devil, and it's it's the whole movie is really dark, like visually very dark. So you can't really see anything, but he's transformed into a man, and he like takes a step, and he's wearing these like cowboy boot things with like spurs, and then like the click that they make with the. Ugh. It's just so good. <laughs> so evil and so nice. good. And and maybe not necessarily evil after all. But I just wanted to mention before we move on that if you are a witch historian, if you're somebody like me who really loves to take a deep dive into the history of witches, this movie is rife with symbolism. There's a hare and a crow 
and of course the goat Black Phillip, and um, I think another animal too. I can't remember what animal, but um, the hare and transforming into and out of a hare is, is a famous uh, witch folklore legend. There is a scene in the movie when Caleb, um, the brother, is lured by a very sexually alluring witch into this hovel, and then she transforms into a hag and takes him inside, and then when he comes back, that's how he ends up possessed. And like you do. Like you do. And um, when he is dying, he kind of regurgitates this apple and and does all of these proclamations to Christ. It's so rife with symbolism. Like we could spend an hour just talking about the symbols in this movie and what they mean and contextually how they're related to myths of witchcraft in puritanical New England specifically, you know, witch trial stuff. It's great. I'm sorry, you, you lost me when you said regurgitate because all I could think of was Dale Cooper in the new Twin Peaks and just like that disgusting amount of creamed corn falling out of him. Oh, no. Have you seen the new Twin Peaks? It's wonderful. I mean, Watch the new Twin Peaks. I was gonna, but now I'm not sure that I'm... Now I'm not sure. Nah, you'll love it. You'll love it. Okay. Well, on that note, let's move on to something a little bit, a little bit lighter, maybe a little. Yeah, I feel like this is this is the episode of the show where we finally part the veil on the difference between you and I, where you are the intensely lore and research heavy witch historian, and I just want to talk about cartoons and video <laughs> games. Yes, it's true, but you know what? Our differences are what bring bring us together at the same time. And typography. And type. And being type nerds and, and X-Men. Yes. Those two things. Everything else completely Can we talk about different. the X-Men logo? Can we talk about typography in the X-Men? No, different podcast. <laughs> it's a different podcast. What I, you know what I would like you to talk to me about, Derek? I'd like to, you to talk to me about your witch. Who are you going to talk to me about today? So my witch goes by the name of Ashley. So Ashley is a teenage witch featured prominently in the WarioWare series of products from Nintendo Company Limited, a very popular manufacturer of interactive electronic home entertainment commonly referred to as, um, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly, Video James? Video James. Mm -hmm. Ashley is a loner who dislikes other people and enjoys their suffering. And she's also a very cute cartoon character with an adorable demonic sidekick, a tiny horned red creature named... Hang on, let me check my notes again. Red. Ashley and Red hang out with a wacky crew of similarly absurd characters who all design their own video games for the express purposes of tricking Nintendo fans into giving them lots of money. <laughs> That's not a joke. That's actually the plot of the WarioWare series. Wario, who you may know from the Mario series of games, designs games so that suckers at home will give him money, uh -huh. and he ropes his neighbors into designing games for him so he doesn't have to do the work. Ashley is one of those neighbors. There's a lot going. There's a there's a lot of heavy stuff going on there. There's there's video games. There's a demon sidekick, which you know I am in full support of a demon sidekick. Whenever demon sidekicks are always. A I good mean idea. that could, maybe that should have been the theme of our episode was demon sidekicks. I don't know. If yeah, Black let's counts. retroactively make that the new topic. So it's know. all about. Black Philip and Red. They both have colors in their name. They both 
have colored. You know what? I feel good about this. They are horned, horned sidekicks with colors horned in their names. Demonic sidekicks with colors in their names. I see, you know what? I see all the parallels. It's all coming together. Look at this. It's like we planned it. Yes, it is almost like we planned it. <laughs> so let's get into the laws of witchiness. Tell me, Derek. Does Ashley identify as female? For this, I refer you to the opening lines of Ashley's theme song. The Greek chorus that represents the greater embodiment of human consciousness asks, They recognize her femininity, her <laughs> status as a quote-unquote girl. But they are quick to point out that she is a force to be reckoned with. The same Who's the Girl Next Door couplet is reprieved at the end of the song, capped off with That is adorable, and I feel like I'm a bit remiss in not having my own soundtrack and Greek chorus to follow me around and introduce me to people. It tells you everything you need to know about a person when you meet them. They sum up the most important details into a simple rhyming couplet. And you're like, oh, okay, so I will talk to you about the New England Patriots and nepotism. Great. <laughs> the chorus told me everything I need. Except for that it might end up being like that episode of Buffy once more with feeling. How no, is that I bad? That was wonderful, except for the part where people explode. Right. I mean, that would be the that would be the downside. Oh, I wanted to explode. Does Ashley practice magic? And if so, how? So Ashley has been seen brewing potions in a bubbling cauldron and waving a wand while reciting spells. You know, the classics. She doesn't have an especially high success rate, though, as many of her spells either underperform or have unintended results. In Game and Wario, for instance, she attempts to pull a group of monsters in a picture book out into her world, but the spell backfires and transports her into the picture book. In WarioWare Smooth Moves, she attempts to make a plant grow instantaneously, but it only sprouts a cute little daisy. When she tries again, later, a humongous, monstrous Venus flytrap explodes through the roof of her house, which, of course, causes Ashley to develop a cute little smile. Ashley also appears in the most recent Smash Brothers game, casting a dark cloud across the battlefield which curses the players, making food hurt them instead of heal them, and making them shrink and become invisible, or just fall prone and unable to get up again. She's powerful, but only sometimes. Mostly, she's just precocious and evil. Oh, that sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> well, thanks for thinking of me like that. That's very sweet of you, Regina. No, you're talking about your dog. <laughs> I mean, it's open to interpretation. I've never played any of these games, and now I feel like I want to. I especially want to play. I want to play Smash Brothers and uh, and make magic. And smashing. Well, also Bayonetta was in the most recent Smash Brothers. So that's that's <gasps> double more double witches. witches. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. That's a good plan. I'm gonna I'm gonna go research that. All right. Check so it the out. third law of witchiness is that the witch in question practice feminism. Would you say that Ashley is a feminist? So once again, I refer to the theme song, which asserts. Now, I know a major talking point for feminism over the past several years has been the fact that one can be feminist while still being quote-unquote girly, but there's definitely something to be said for the point of view that says, feh, forget that noise, 
I got better things to do than fulfill societal norms with my gender and age. At every turn, Ashley displays a complete and utter disregard for the expectations of others. She serves only her own wants and needs, and her wants and needs generally amount to improving her magic powers and terrorizing anyone who gets in her path. There are other strong women in the WarioWare family, women who are scientists or rock stars or ninjas. Come to think of it, WarioWare might be the most diverse female lineup of any Nintendo franchise. But Ashley is the most iconic, the one that fans cling to because they aspire to give as few as she does. Yeah, well, she sounds awesome. I quite enjoy your argument in defense of her feminism. Yay. She doesn't have to spend time combing her hair and playing with dolls mm -hmm. if she's got other things like evil on her mind yeah. that doesn't make her less feminist I, I support this argument I feel good about it sister's doing it for herself she's doing it so the fourth law of witchiness is that she be persecuted or misunderstood can you tell me how Ashley is persecuted or misunderstood allow me to answer that question by asking you a question do you remember being an angsty teenager who hated everything and everyone and just wanted to be left alone of course you do <laughs> of course you do that's Ashley. That's why Ashley has such an active fan base, more so than any of the other WarioWare characters. We recognize her status as an outcast, and we associate ourselves with it. If anything, I'd argue that fans understand Ashley specifically because she is misunderstood. And like all of us when we were angsty teens, Ashley isn't all bad. There was a blog post on the Nintendo site at one point written by Red, the demonic assistant to Ashley, where he talks about the two of them observing a family of monkeys playing and how Ashley seemed to be looking a thousand miles away, likely thinking of her own parents who had been gone for some time. This is the only time the topic of Ashley's family has ever been addressed because, like the rest of us when we were angsty teens, Ashley simply doesn't want to be understood. She's quite content with her outsider status. I love this argument of this character being like a angsty YA character. I feel good about it. And like an angsty YA character, you can find tons and tons of Ashley fan art all over Tumblr. I would not recommend that any of our listeners look through Tumblr for teen Ashley. I feel like you could get a lot of really strange results from that. I'm just personally... I'm not going to advocate for it. Yeah, Regina's stance is a safe assumption to go by. Pretty much don't look on the internet for fan art, Tumblr especially. Although I will say, prior to our recording this episode, Tumblr finally put out like a safe content. Is that so? so? I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was only when we're recording this, it was only like two days ago they implemented hmm. this. So it's a new feature. If you or someone you know is sensitive to adult content, there's a little box you can tick on Tumblr now that'll just like hide that stuff, hopefully. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That said, I have, in my years, seen a great deal of non-adult Ashley fan art on the internet. I don't think I've seen any adult-themed ones, or if I have, I immediately turned my brain off because I didn't want to process that. She don't, is yeah, she is don't. pure, and by pure, I mean evil. Yeah, and, and I feel like we should keep it that way. Yes. So the fifth and final law of witchiness, tell me, is Ashley bonded to ascensions? Like the Sandersons and so many other witches, Ashley has a sentient book that she pulls her spells from. Oh, I love it, a sentient. I love a good sentient book. Mm-hmm. The book is introduced in the Wii game, WarioWare Smooth Moves, in a chapter called... 
the loquacious spellbook. Hmm. So as you can probably guess that this living tome is rather animated and highly talkative. As for whether Ashley is bonded to it, well, she seems to pride herself on being a loner and not relying on anyone else. So whatever bond there may be is subtextual. That said, it is only after meeting and working with the loquacious spellbook that she's able to make the aforementioned giant Venus flytrap that smashes through her roof with Ashley lets out a rare smile about. So the spellbook seems to be one of the few creatures in the world capable of making her happy. That seems like the beginning of a beautiful relationship to me. It was so heartwarming. I love the idea of this sentient tome, presumably bound in human flesh like all the other sentient tomes. It looks like it might be, but given it's a Nintendo game, they don't outright say as much. Right. I, I like the idea of them having this special relationship, you know, that starts off small and kind of grows and blossoms into something more meaningful, a deeper bond. Like a giant Venus flytrap through the roof of her mansion. Exactly. Just like that. That seems like a pretty good rundown of our witches. Yeah. Let's talk about our covens for a minute. If you could only mm-hmm. have Thomason or Ashley in your coven, which one would it be and why? Hmm. Well... I feel like you've outlined a lot of really interesting things about Ashley that I didn't know. First of all, I didn't know Ashley existed. So that's one. Just check that right off the box. Check that that off. I think all of the arguments you made in favor of her witchiness, solid. But I have to say, I would probably go with Thomason. Mm -hmm, I understand that. That's because Thomason would probably bring literal devil and my actual boyfriend, Black Phillip, with her. Two coven meetings, and I feel like... So you're going for the two for the price of one. That's what I'm doing. Similar to how you wanted Bev Morda because you wanted Willow. Precisely. There you go. Mm -hmm. I like this. I would probably also go for Thomason, if only because Thomason seems to be looking for a sense of community Mm -hmm. and of peers and people to be with and learn from and collaborate with, whereas Ashley is like, get out of my face, I can do this on my own, I don't need you. Right. Right. So Ashley does not seem like the coven joining type, no, she's, whereas she Thomason like is happy to. Yeah, Thomason is really trying to get out of a very difficult and oppressive situation that she's in. You know, she's surrounded, or at least she was until everyone died. She's surrounded by a family and a culture that's really trying to hold her down and keep her from having any kind of sense of agency. And so she she goes off to to join, presumably join the coven in the woods so that she can have some power and agency over her life. And you gotta kind of respect that. Plus, Levitation is cool. Mm-hmm. And Black Philip, let's not forget him. Yeah, so you've got Levitation and you've got uh, Evil Goat, mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. your boyfriend. And he comes he comes with a book that she signs her name in, Don't Forget. Mm-hmm. And May or may not be sentient. We don't know. We don't know about that book. We don't know. We don't know about the book. We it's could, Black Phillips' book. It could It could be sentient. We could ask them when they join our coven. What's the deal with the book? What's the deal with the book, Philip? Hi. <laughs> I see you flirting with Philip. I see how that works. <laughs> you know where else I'd like to hang out with Black Phillip? Where would you and Black Phillip go together? I think he would take me to the Cauldron Cabaret. I'm trying to figure out what our domesticated animal policy is at the Cauldron Cabaret. I feel like we have to have a few in there by now, right? I would assume so, yeah. There's got to be like half a dozen talking cats here by now, right? There are at least that many, if not more. And besides, 
Black Phillip can be a goat, or he can also be a handsome gentleman. A very... Uh, lady's choice! I mean, mm -hmm. he would be a fabulous escort to the Cauldron Cabaret. Thomason mm -hmm. would just... I, I feel like it would be a lot for her to handle. She would love it, but it would be a culture shock. You know, going from puritanical New England, where there's there's none of this. There's no drinking. There's arguments over the New Testament, you know. If everything's lit by candles, and all of a sudden you will stroll into the Cauldron Cabaret. I gotta say, electricity, flush toilets, fresh drinks coming out of a hell dimension. That's a lot to deal with. But I think once she got over the culture shock, I think she would I think she would have a good time. So who in the cabaret do you think Thomason would enjoy spending time with? Who would she gravitate to? Well, I th I think I don't know. It's hard to know. I feel like my first instinct is she would go for the more experienced, you know, your Princess Leia, your, who are one of the other mentors? Oh, Lady Jessica. Like, I, I feel like she would go f towards the mentors, maybe, because she's, she's looking for a little guidance, right? She's mm -hmm. looking to gain some agency. And who else to help her smash glass ceilings and the patriarchy but princess leia am i right i feel like in particular maleficent would sort of take her under her arm and be like oh poor baby let it out tell us your tales we'll we'll make everything better could be yeah i feel like maleficent would really connect with thomason's backstory and say it wasn't your fault it was all those ignorant townsfolk mm -hmm. so definitely sally and jillian owens would feel a kind of camaraderie i think with thomason because mm -hmm. they would have also dealt with townsfolk, you know? Yeah, the whole, that. like, being put upon by people in a small town. Mm -hmm. But I think I think that's my first gut instinct. I think those witches would be attracted to her. But I think at the end of the day, Thomason's a teenager, right? She's like 14, 15. Mm -hmm. Once she got over the culture shock, once she kind of found her footing in the Cauldron Cabaret, I have a feeling that her... And Storm and Ileana and Maybe Kiki um, and Matilda. Kiki, Matilda. I feel like all of our younger set of witches mm -hmm. would really be who she's gravitating towards. That sounds good. What about Ashley? Who's Ashley hanging out with? Is she hanging out with anybody? And is Red coming too? Ashley would also gravitate towards the Owens, but specifically the ants. She would just be there for the chocolate cake. Mm, cake, yeah. And quietly judging everybody else in the room. Fair. That's fair. She's not going to socialize. She's not going to perform on stage. Mm -mm. She, she doesn't have time for that. But she will sit down and enjoy a slice of chocolate cake. Because that's, that's just good for her. Mm -hmm. It's not for mm -hmm. other people. It's for her. That's fair. I feel good about that. And I don't, I don't think she would let Red have it. Really? Would Red be invited or no. she would like sneak out after Coven? Red would come along and she would expect Red to be there, but she would not encourage him to be there. Got it. I think like Red would reach for a slice of chocolate cake and Ashley would pull it away from him and have it next to her slice of cake and take a bite out of both. <laughs> and then Red would look sad. And then one of the Owens aunts would like slip a slice of cake under the table to Red and Red would smile and wink at the camera. Oh, that's a really adorable scene. I like that. I feel like that's how all the cut scenes with Ashley and Red usually play out is like Red's just trying to be a buddy and Ashley's like, nah, this is all for me. And <laughs> Red gets sad. But then something okay happens to Red anyway Aww. behind Ashley's back, basically. Because they're a cute all ages cartoon from Nintendo. Yay. 
So I think that just about wraps things up for this episode of Which Witch is Which. Now that you've heard what we have to say, what do you think? Who would you invite into your coven? Let us know at witchwitchcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at witchwitchcast. That's W-H-I-C-H-W-I-T-C-H-C-A-S-T. Don't anger the Elder Gods. Subscribe to Witch Witch is Witch on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever your pods may be cast. Until then, would you like the taste of butter? Would you like a pretty dress? Let us know at Witch Witch Cast!